Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissette, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, braving life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett. And today's guest is Tina McDermott. Tina has been working in the health and wellness industry for almost 20 years, and her goal is to reach as many people as humanly possible through her practice. She believes by doing this, her ripple effect will make the world a better place and inspire much more joy of life. Tina not only teaches exercise and nutrition, but she specializes in helping people with emotional issues around their relationship with food. Tina, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Thank you so much for having me here, Jeanette. Thank you. Thank you. This is one of the spaces that I enjoy talking to my guests about this wellness space, and you're all over this space. So let's rewind for a bit. If you wouldn't mind, share with our listeners and our viewers how this all started. When I was 19, my sister at 23 was diagnosed with breast cancer. She lived for 24 amazing years. She was an amazing person. She finally made her transition after four years, the last four years in stage four, at the age of 48. I am seven years her senior. I'm 55 right now. It gives me chills every time I think about it. And she is just an amazing person. And she had a love of life, a love of people, a love of wanting to help the world. And she inspires me on a daily basis to do what I do. Life is for joy. It's for love. And my other sister, Rose, she says, Tina, oh my gosh, you are just so driven to do what you're doing. And I says, yeah. And she says, what drives you? I don't have that drive. I said, Anna drives me. Our sister Anna drives me. She drives me every single day. And I even have pictures of her on the other side of my computer here. And she's with me. I even have her on my shoulder. She's with me, inspiring me every single day to do what I do and inspire the world to live a healthy life, live in vibrancy and health and freedom, freedom from those silly capital D, capital I, capital E's with the small T's. I can't say it. (laughs) Free from those and free from dis-ease. What are some of the ways that you've become an expert and a thought leader in this space? I've been doing it for 22 years. And they say that to be an expert, you should be doing it for five years. And I've been doing it for 22. I've helped thousands and thousands of people, even with that ripple effect, even more thousands of people. Now, I started off as a personal trainer. I was training for many years. So I have all of my personal training certifications. And through that, I injured my back. And I'm so interested in nutrition. So I went back to school and I got my certification. The It's called the NC, American Association of Nutritional Consultants. And I dive into books all the time. I'm always learning. I'm always educating. And I'm always surrounding myself with other thought leaders in the wellness space, create my own programs. I write my own eBooks, my workbooks, my recipes. And recently since the pandemic, now I've been doing cooking classes within corporations for years. Since the pandemic, I started doing virtual cooking classes and I started Tina's Joyful Kitchen and I have a YouTube channel. So that's where I am. 
It's a beautiful thing because a lot of people are mystified by what they consider putting together a healthy meal. I talk to a lot of people and they say, eating healthy, I'm eating healthy. And I say, what does that look like for you? So let me ask you the question, what does eating healthy look like and feel like in your mind? Eating healthy in my mind, I'll give you my philosophy on eating, Jeanette. My philosophy on eating, it encompasses everybody, whether you're vegan all the way up to a meditarian, it doesn't matter. We eat foods as close to the way that Mother Nature created them for us. The more that they have been processed, the worse they are. So you're better off eating the banana than the dehydrated bananas because who knows what they fried them in and the high heat. So it's close to the way that Mother Nature provided our foods and eating foods that this is a philosophy people can keep in their minds eat foods that walk fly swim and grow with a huge emphasis on grow huge emphasis on grow i'm talking 10 to 12 vegetables a day maybe a good protein a lean protein and some really good fats that's what healthy eating means to me i do have a question for you around what you just said i have been a listener and a fan of one of the leading thought leaders in this space, Dr. Gundry. One of the things that he talks about, especially as it relates to fruits and vegetables, is that there are some fruits and some vegetables that basically don't serve you well in terms of what they do to your gut health. Correct. But he also talks about the impact that fruit has on your system, okay, relative to what it does to your blood sugar. He has a phrase that he uses, and he says, give fruit the boot if you are (laughs) trying to stay slim. What's your perspective of that? All right. I love that you've asked me this, and I love fruit. Eating fruit in its wholeness. Here's the thing. If you have a dis-ease, blood sugar issues, you need to limit your fruit half a cup berries only in the morning for now. Once you clean up the gut, once you are healthy with your gut, then you can introduce a little bit more fruit here and there. Now, it's important that when you're eating fruit, here, look at it here. Let me say this. I'd rather you eat a piece of fruit than a candy bar, okay? I'd rather you eat a piece of fruit than a candy bar. If you need to make your transition that way, go for it. Anyone that says eliminate completely, got to question that because there's so many vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients in berries specifically. They're lower in sugar. They're low in the glycemic index. Now, if you're like, Tina, I really want a candy bar and I'm going to eat an apple instead. I still have this dis-ease, but I want some fruit. Then eat the fruit and eat it when it's combined with other foods because when you combine it with your vegetables when you combine it with a protein and a good fat it blunts the rise in the blood sugar of that fruit and i know you know this but eat it together with something else or have an apple with some almonds the almonds have the protein and the fat and that blunts the rise in the blood sugar i'll tell you something else i'm italian although my last name is mcdermott but my parents are literally off the boat italian i've been going back and forth my whole life i've guided bike trips there forever bicycle trips. And in Italy, even in my household, every single dinner, my father, until this day, I was just there this weekend up in New Jersey with my dad. After dinner, he peels an apple. He always has to peel it. I'm like, why are you peeling it? You're not supposed to eat the skin. I said, well, I think you should eat the skin. (laughs) But anyhow, that's another discussion. He peels an apple and he hands a piece to everybody because the fruit has digestive enzymes that are going to help you digest your food. And I go to Italy and I sit with my aunts and my uncles and it's always the male figure. It's crazy that is sitting there peeling the apples and handing them out to everybody. They're always doing that. And I have a beautiful picture of a beautiful bowl of fruit. 
that we eat after the meal. It helps you digest. Is it the apple? What is the significance of the apple? Could it be a pineapple? No, pineapple is very high in sugar. I just know Italians love to have an apple or a pear. I've never seen them peel an orange and do an orange after dinner. It's really high in sugar. It's always been apples or the harder fruits that we have a piece of after dinner. And they don't know why. They just know this is what they do. It's it's interesting to me because last night I cut up a pineapple and I love fruit. I just have to admit it. I just love fruit. I'm a fruitaholic. Okay. But I've learned that I have to eat it in moderation. And what I try to do is eat fruit in season fruit within a certain mile radius of the state that I live in versus getting fruit from another country that is not close to where I live. I prefer to eat fruit in season, but the apple perspective and practice is interesting to me. I'll have to look into that. (laughs) I'm just telling you what the Italians do. And have you ever heard of the flavor point G I E T? I can't even say the word. I can't stand it, but it's, it's a book called the flavor point diet. And he talks about every single meal. You want to have every single flavor profile, the sweet, the savory, the umame, the salty. Wow. There's a fifth one. It'll cut a bitter. You want your, your palate wants all of those flavors. And that is typically why after a meal, people want dessert to have that sweet that's not in their meal. Have you ever noticed that when you eat a salad or eat a meal that has a little fruit in it, you don't crave the dessert as much because you've gotten all of those flavor profiles in the one meal. Strawberries in my salad. Oh my gosh, I love our blueberries in my salad. They're wonderful. Wonderful. This chapter of your life, it was about 22 years ago, you stepped into this space and have dedicated a lot of your time, attention, development, and focus in this particular area. You're serving so many people by this focus because there's a lot of conflicting information and it's hard to sometimes sift and filter through it all. With that said, to make the complex simple, some of the principles that you focus on when you're working with your clients as they embrace their relationship with food, some of the important things are the keys to success. Number one key to success, Jeanette, is mastering your mindset. Number Mm -hmm. one, it's mastering that mindset. And I think 97.8% of the game is the emotional game. Because let's just face it, all of your listeners, they know how to lose weight. They know, they think they lose weight. And they've lost the weight. And then it comes back with friends because they never dealt with the emotional issues. They never dealt with what was driving them to eat the donut or eat too much or whatever it is. And that's the number one, the pillar of what I do for my clients is that I help them come to peace with those emotions that are driving them to eat, driving them to stuff their feelings, eat their feelings, basically. So that's number one, what I do. It's important. I, yeah. Other than that, very first thing I start people with is what? You already said it, drink water, drink your water because we are water and it's the water that's going to help detoxify your system. People do all these detox programs out there. I just talked about it the other day in a masterclass. You can detox your body with water, lemon, and lots of vegetables. It's amazing what lemon can do for you and water and how you can naturally, your body wants to naturally detoxify itself, but you can't keep throwing fuel on the fire. Uh, not all day long lemon water can destroy the enamel on your teeth. So first thing in the morning, hot lemon water, and then lots and lots of mostly green leafy vegetables will help detoxify your system. That's great information. So thank you for that nugget. It's great information to have. So as you work with your clients, 
who have a certain relationship with food. Some of it is deeply rooted in their cultural backgrounds or their belief systems and things of that nature. Once you clear that stuff out or deal with that, and then it becomes how do you manage the relationship with food? Yeah, you have support. You have support of a community, a coach. And I think sometimes we'll clear out those emotions within five minutes. Sometimes it takes several hours. Sometimes it takes a little longer. It depends on the individual. If they're open to feeling the feelings, because we like to stuff the feelings down and we need to feel the feelings and surrender to them and allow them to release. The aha moment for me was the understanding of the impact of eating certain foods. Once I understood the science behind it, that was the switch that needed to be turned on. For me, it was the information on the best way to manage my gut health and my health in general. And since that time, I've not had the yo-yo dieting that you talked about. The yo-yo up and down, 20 pounds, down 20, up 30, down 10 never had to deal with that. I lost almost 50 pounds and I've kept it off only because I understand the information that you are propagating. So I understand the impact. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And for you with the scientific mind, that makes sense to you. My sister is yeah. very much like that. And then there's other people who their emotions are what drives them. Their emotions what drives them. And that, that is what I work with. No doubt. We were talking about the pillars of health. Number one was the mastering the mindset. Number two was drinking your water, eating vegetables, eating whole foods. That's a big pillar. Moving your mass. That's with a small M. The rest is capitalized. Meditation, prayer, and de-stress. Those are all the things that I help people with. You mentioned that in your ebook, that factor of de-stressing. And I think that for me, when I read that, it had a lot to do with grace and gratitude as the way to lead into it. And I don't know what the pressure is for a lot of people. Is it perfectionism? Is it expectations from the external factors or whatever that is? Just almost removing that and creating a safe space for you to exist, if you will. I agree. I agree. And it's the safe space where we need to be. It's a very safe place for you to prosper, thrive, and be healthy. Let's talk about the move your mass. You're a cyclist, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you do yeah. indoor cycling or outdoor cycling? I'm an outdoor cyclist. I'm a roadie as well as a mountain biker. And so I, I do both. It is silly cold right now in Maryland. So also I put my road bike on an indoor trainer and I ride indoors as well a couple of times a week. I prefer outdoors. So I will go outside in the cold, like 45 degrees is good. A couple of weeks ago, we went out and it was 45 and it was supposed to be sunny. It wasn't sunny. It was cold and windy and we all came back frozen. Anyhow, so I do both. Yeah, that's what I do. So for the average person that perhaps is not as active and your encouragement is to move, what kinds of activities can they focus on that would perhaps support that philosophy? I love that question, Jeanette. You do not have to be like me, like crazy cyclist. What I propose that my clients do is that they walk. And stretch, walking and stretching, walking and stretching, walking and stretching, because we are meant for movement. And what is our most natural movement? For me, it's I'm talking with my hands, of course. Our most natural movement is walking. And you walk with nothing in your hands. And it's called a cross crawl because you're using opposite arm, opposite leg. It resets your central nervous system. It makes you feel amazing when you walk. And stretching, when you're twisting, especially, you're wringing out the organs and twisting out the toxins, believe it or not. Now, 
helping the lymphatic system along. Walking helps the lymphatic system along again to help get rid of the toxin. So walking and stretching. That's it. Now, if you're like, oh, Tina, I love to dance, then you do what you love. I've been a personal trainer forever. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't do what you love to do. You love to walk, you walk. If you love to run, you run. You like to bike, you bike. If you love to dance, please dance. And I recommend that you set an alarm every hour and five minutes, get up and dance and stretch and sing and change your state and then get back to work. And I promise you, you'll be more efficient. No doubt. I had some friends who would snicker when we would be in the gym because I was drawn to the Zumba classes and I thoroughly enjoyed Zumba. I used to lift weights and do all that, but I just made a decision and said, I'm going to engage in things that I actually enjoy doing. And I stumbled across the Zumba class and I was drawn to it. The other group would actually greet me when I would be coming into the gym. They said, oh, you're going to that dance class, aren't you? I said, yep, that's exactly where I'm going to my Zumba class. I still do it to this day. Yeah. Because you love it. Do what you love. Do the exercise that you love. Just always move your body. And there's people who just want to move their body once a week. No, we are meant for movement all throughout the day. That's why I suggest take little mini breaks. Run up and down the steps, dance a little bit, put on a song and sing and dance, run around the block, go in the backyard, throw the ball with the dogs, take a break, get away from the computer, get away from the work and move your body and take those deep breaths. You will be so re-energized when you come back. I would agree. Yeah. And I used to be a, a bodybuilder. I used to lift weights all the time. And basically I cycle and I walk and I stretch. That's it. I don't want anymore. I don't need anymore that's enough. <laughs> I have resistance bands. I have things like that I can use, but I'm not going to be picking up 50 pound weights anymore. So when a person is starting who is obese or morbidly obese, how do you encourage them to stay what I call in the pocket for the long term? I remember when I was 50, 60 pounds heavier than I am right now, the end game, if you will, or the goal seems so far away that getting started was daunting because of the journey that I knew I had to take at that point in my life. So when you're working with clients that do have quite a loss ahead of them, how do you encourage them to stick and stay? Daily journaling, daily journaling, their why. I do a little exercise called the tipping point, and I have them go really deep into why they're doing what they're doing, why they want to be healthy and well for the rest of their life. And then they, I have them journal on that on a daily basis and keep their why in the forefront of their mind. My why is very simple. And that's, I want to thrive for the rest of my life into my nineties. I don't have children. I have grand nieces and nephews, but I don't want them to take care of me. I'm going to take care of me. And that is one of my main things. I want to thrive. Also, I'm not going to suffer like my sister suffered for many years. That was her journey. It's not mine. And I know that. And in order for me to thrive through my 90s, I need to take care of myself every day. So that's the one thing I do is journaling. Create your why and really work on your why on a daily basis. Journaling has helped me tremendously personally. And community. Stay connected. Stay connected to your community. A community of like-minded people who are on the same journey as you, who have the same ups and same downs, and you can chat with one another and get support of a professional. You've created a community online. You want to talk a little bit about that? 
I have a couple of Facebook groups, actually. My weight loss Facebook group is called Weight Loss Lounge Women 40 Plus. Weight Loss Lounge Women 40 Plus. I'm 55. And a lot of people who are in menopause are coming my way or going peri or post. And I also am a partner in another Facebook group called the Menopause Support Group. We have 117,000 members. It's been around since 2013. And there's a whole wave that we're creating from that to help women cruise the wave through menopause with grace, gratitude, confidence, and ease. And we even have a book that we wrote. We're going to be writing another book on all of that. Those are some spaces that you can find me that are support community. Mm -hmm, No doubt. I will include those in the show notes for today's conversation. Based on some of the work that you're doing through your programs, how can they reach out to you other than the social media platforms? You can find me on my website, tinamcdermott.com, tinamcdermott.com. And if you would like to have that ebook that I wrote that you have, it's tinamcdermott.com slash JG for joyful gut, because I believe our guts need to be joyful and not in pain like I was in most of my life. <laughs> so let's now pivot to your YouTube channel. Tina's Joyful Kitchen. Yeah. I'm the lazy, inspirational chef. Yes. I remember hearing a conversation about the use of garlic. And now I understand what the whole garlic thing is about based on your background. Garlic is wonderful for you. It boosts your immune system. It's antiviral, antibacterial, antimicrobial. When you put heat on it, like high heat in the jars or the powder, you're not going to get that. You might get flavor, but you're not going to get the immune boosting properties. They say that lots of places in Italy are the blue zones. One place in Sardinia is a blue zone. It's because they live mother nature. They eat foods from mother nature, less processed, and they eat garlic. So let's talk about that YouTube channel. What can a person expect when they actually end on your channel in terms of the offerings that you have based on your videos? They're going to get a lot of fun, a lot of joy, and I cook. And I teach all at the same time. My goal is for people to find joy in the kitchen. Even if they don't know how to cook, even if they don't like to cook, I want them to find the joy in the kitchen. Because people these days, they think that food comes through a drive-thru. And it doesn't. It comes from the farms. I was in Italy in October with my family. And I did one-minute snippets each day. And each of the snippets are all about where I am and about the food and about what we're eating and how we're eating. And it's just amazing. So you'll find 14 days of little snippets and you'll find full hour episodes and also some five minute snippets of eating again, back to mother nature, whole foods, low sugar. Sometimes I'll bake with a little bit of honey, but not too much, not too much. I like to have a dessert occasionally. One of the desserts that I enjoy baking is lemon pound cake and I'm looking for a healthier way to prepare that lemon pound cake. You should be able to find that. And now you've got me curious to find a gluten-free, nut-free lemon pound cake recipe. And I love those kind of challenges. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to test it and I'm going to send it to you. I've got a little note to myself right here. As soon as we get off the line and I have your email, I will send that to you, my dear. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, Tina. It's been fabulous. Thank you so much for adding so much value to our channel for our listeners, as well as for our viewers. Thank you so much. And I hope this is not the last time that we'll have a conversation. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's been a blast. Thank you.
thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning. 